Welcome to Bugs and Beards, the podcast home for everything fly fishing and fly tying. Kick back as we sit down and talk with some of your favorite fly tires and fishermen while we discuss with them the tips and techniques they've learned on the river and behind the vice so that you can use those lessons learned to make your time more effective. Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of the Bugs and Beard podcast. I'm your host Sean Holsinger along with my co-host Pat here today. And uh, we got a topic we're going to discuss. This one's just a little fun. We're going to do something, I guess, not different because we do these every now and then. And uh, we're just going to shoot the bull here around the table and see what we want to do. And we're going to discuss bucket list fish. That's something that my wife makes fun of me for because she asked me just how big my bucket is. Because every time I catch one of my bucket list fish, I have another one on backup. Ever grown bucket. Yeah, ever-growing bucket, many buckets. <laughs> but uh, it, it's a fun topic for me because it's, I don't know, I always have something in my bucket, something that I always wanted to do. And uh, if you don't, I don't know, I kind of, I was telling my one boy, he has some issues going on, and I said, uh, listen, I said, you got to get busy living or get busy dying from Shawshank. You only live once. Yep, you know, if you're... If you don't have something to live for, what's the use of living? That's right. And uh, so I always have something I want to try to catch. And, you know, like I'll have a fish that's on top of my bucket list that's going to be the thing that I want to catch. Well, I'll just spend time researching and YouTubing and, you know, lifelong bucket list of mine that I know I've said it before is to go to Africa. We're go- I'm going to Africa this, this year. And... um I don't know what I'm going to do after that because that's a pretty big, big, big bucket. <laughs> but like leading up to it from the time I booked it in January till next April when I go on the trip, like all I've been doing is thinking about my rifle load, you know, watching YouTube videos. And I do the same thing with my fishing. There's a lot that goes into it. Oh, there's a ton, ton oh, of preparation yeah. and stuff like that. And I never really thought about that with fishing, but there's a ton that goes into me catching my bucket list fish, you know, and well, even fishing in general, fishing in general, for sure. Yeah. I mean, just every day, you know, around here going to the stream. I mean, th- a lot of people don't think about it. I tend to think about it. There might be a day or two of just thoughts going through my head. You know, I want to try this leader. I might change this, that, you know, I got some flies here. I want to take out and give for a test run. And yeah. some people, they just pick up and go fishing. Right. Yeah. It's not like that for me. I'm a lot like you. Like um, when I'm at my other job and I'm sitting on the reach truck driving around the factory all day long, there's nothing to think about. So, you know, so that whole time I'm sitting there dwelling on, wow, what could I do to make this fly better? You know, well, how many hours am I going to have to work to get to do this trip? And (laughs) (laughs) when I get to go, you know, I'm always constantly thinking of something other than work because it's just a no thought job but um i think bucket lists are a good thing even if you don't achieve them at least you have something to look forward to and and pursue i think you have to have something to pursue in life oh i would agree with that wholeheartedly yeah i mean especially with uh you know your hunting i used to do a lot of hunting now i don't have the opportunity to hunt as much just for health reasons but on my bucket list I would definitely go to Alaska mm. and hunt. Yeah. You know you know what I 
grew up a big hunter. Like I said, I mean, ever since I was little watching TV shows and, and stuff, and I have wanted to hunt Africa. And I, in that same time, you know, I've always wanted to hunt Af- or Alaska too. And I always told myself I, I couldn't just go up there and fish. You know, I wouldn't be happy seeing it without seeing without getting to go hunting you know i always thought that i wouldn't be able to go without hunting but i did it and i was fine without hunting i was great without hunting but still the whole time i was up there when we were driving down denali highway or we were driving down the seward highway i'm pulling over in parking lots with the glasses out the window looking at the top of the mountain for mountain goats and doll sheep and so i mean i still kind of made a hunting trip out of it but I mean, just not with a gun, just not with a gun. And, and I've gotten a lot that way. And I'm sure Africa is going to be a lot of that, like just a oh, lot yeah, of sure. experience. I think that's a thing too. One of the big things about bucket lists, that bucket list things are, it's something you can't accomplish easily. And, uh, you know, the experience behind the accomplishment is as much or more than the actual fish that's caught. The thought and the research. Yeah. Like, well, here, we'll just get off on the on the topic here. Um, probably my biggest bucket list fish was, up, up till now I've achieved it, was a grayling. And uh, for the last year and a half, that was probably at the top of my list. You know, I'm looking, where do I need to go in Montana? How can I achieve this? Where's the easiest place to get to? And uh, Montana was probably looking like what I was going to do. Well, it just so happened situations and stuff that we was able to get to Alaska for a weekend, for a long weekend, and um, get to do a little bit of fishing up there. So, you know, so I went into the research mode into grayling up there. And um, one of the other things that was on my bucket list, which I also achieved in that, was a ocean run fish. I have never caught an ocean run fish, which was highly important to me. And I wasn't sure I was going to achieve it because it's really hard to do that here on the East Coast. Yeah. To, you know, your Atlantic salmon on the East Coast, you're looking at New Brunswick for your best chance. And even then it's spotty. So, and you're paying a lot of money to do the New Brunswick. And uh, so getting to Alaska, we ended up, we got there and I caught a couple silvers. Oops. And... Um, and uh, achieved that goal by catching the silver. So that was a really, really exciting moment when I realized I had a silver salmon on. And that was pretty, almost as important or maybe even a little more important than the grayling because, I don't know, Lake Erie fish, Lake Ontario fish are nice. But <laughs> there's something about a fish that swims out into the ocean with sharks and all the other predators and, and comes big, back and big boats with big long nets trolling behind it and stuff like that and they make it back and to they spawn. make it back yeah there's something to be said about that great lakes they swim out in the great lakes they're at the top of the food chain eating up all the lys and the, you know what yeah. i mean they're still pressured oh they're definitely pressured yeah i mean they're sugar boats and everything yeah, they're else, big but, predators and yeah but they're the top of the food chain where when you think about it in the ocean, a salmon is, hmm. how does a salmon, you know, uh, a one or two year old salmon, where does that fit into the food chain in the ocean? Barracudas, sharks, 
you know, all kinds of different things like that would be at the top of there. Be a nice fatty meal. Killer whales. Killer whales, yeah. Polar bears. Yeah. So. Yeah. So that was a big thing for me to catch a saltwater. Andromenus, if I'm saying that right, Andromenus fish. One that born in the stream, lives in the ocean, and comes back in. That is crazy. I, I watch a lot of that on National Geographic. Some pretty cool stuff. It is. And we didn't get to see. It was at the end of the season for us. So um, when we were up there, we were up uh, late August. And, uh, you know, there was the bear, the big salmon runs were finishing up. So the bears weren't out real heavy. They were fat feeding up on berries. When we walked up, when I did catch my grayling, we went to Grayling Lake, which was like two miles on top of this mountain. And the whole way up the mountain was nothing but tea berries. And, uh, like there was berries and there was tons of food. I was, that was one of the things I was amazed by up there was there was August end of season and there was food everywhere for the bears. Not good. No, no, not good. They were putting on their fat storage. So when you go there, you want to try to take a buddy. Yeah. And hopefully it's somebody you can outrun. Yeah, right, right, right. (laughs) Now I have learned that, um, they're Alaska honors our concealed carry Oh, and is, um, pretty, they're open carry in Alaska and pretty not lenient, but easy to take a gun in with you, to take a pistol in with you for protection. Lots of bears. Yeah. We were, when we were there, my wife was mad because I didn't have bear spray or a pistol. We were only there for three days, two days that we were really going to fish. One day we were sightseeing. And uh, I was like, man, are we going to spend the money on bear spray? Are we just going to waste it? And, uh, yeah, I probably, okay, yeah, I should have had it for when we went to Grayling Yeah, Lake. at least the bear spray. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the one, we fished Montana Creek, and that's where I caught my salmon. It was like fishing river around here. But they did say that there was a there was a big grizzly, a big mama grizzly upstream that has been seen a couple of times. Never bothered anybody, but has been seen. And um, so, yeah, they were there, but they weren't prominently there. But where we were at on uh, Grayling Lake was two miles up on top of a mountain. And it was like, uh, it was kind of like New Brunswick. It reminded me a lot of New Brunswick. You couldn't see far in the woods. Everything was, um, If the best way we always put New Brunswick was the land where the Ewoks live in in star wars nice yes very mossy very um overgrown and quiet like a uh you know so it's a sneaking death five six hundred pound grizzly (laughs) can sneak up on you and not make a sound yeah i didn't tell my wife that you know there's some things you got to keep secret but i'm sure she'll know it when this show airs yeah if she listens she listens Uh, we're 11 minutes in we're probably good now (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, no, Grayling was at the top of my list. And, and like I said, part of the, uh, part of the thing about doing it is the experience catching it. And for that, we were, I went to Montana Creek actually, because I read that there's good Grayling and Dolly Varden in that stream. Well, the salmon had pushed them out and it was just loaded full of silvers. So I didn't catch any, any Grayling, but, um, I was like, man, I got to find some somewhere. So we were having lunch in a diner in Seward, 
and I got on the Wi-Fi there and uh, started looking on my phone, Grayling near Seward, and it said Grayling Lake, and I was like, well, that makes the most sense to me. So, so you see there, you were doing your homework before you went. Right. When you got there, it didn't pan out because of circumstances. Right. So you were doing your homework while you were there, taking a break. Adapt. Which still led you to your goal. Yep. Adapt and conquer. Google. Yep. Google and conquer. Yeah. yeah that's it. And uh, but don't believe everything Google says because they said no. it was a moderate hike, and moderate it felt like forty-five degrees. <laughs> I mean, now you got to remember, this is pre-back surgery for me. So I'm battling sciatica, herniated disc. It took me longer than it probably should have. but uh, Uphill both ways. Yeah. <laughs> well, it wasn't both ways. It was uphill on the way up, but I didn't feel like taking my boots and waders off on the way back. I packed Ooh. them in on the way up, and I just wore my boots and waders Ooh. down. And uh, so it was a... It was a challenge, but it wasn't bad. And you didn't think that one through. Well, you know she's gonna outrun you in a pair of waders. Oh, I was prepared for that. She was. She can go. I'll take. <laughs> I got her there. I'll, I'll take the fall for it. Tell her here. Take the rod as you go, Bob. Yeah. <laughs> she was mad. She's like, "We're in bear country, and all you brought with you is a rod. What are you gonna do with it? Poke it?" <laughs> but we had fun, and and I'm looking back. She'll never. She'll never forget the experience. But um, but I caught my grayling. It wasn't big. It was only like I don't know nine inches. But I caught it in still water. Still, yeah. still you caught one. Yep, I still caught one. I went through all kinds of ordeals to get it, and but I got it. So it was nine inches. But that nine inches is equivalent to twenty for the experience that I had to get it. And I think that's what's great about the bucket list fish. What's big on your bucket list? I would like to go to Florida. And go for sharks. Fly fishing for sharks. I seen Tim Camesa did that. Was it this summer? This summer, yeah, with Chuck. Chuck. Yep. And uh I was pretty fascinated by that. And since then I've seen three or four other people post some pictures on Instagram. You know, they had went out and caught some sharks and to me. As a child, I grew up, we fished in Virginia a lot. My dad had a boat. We went down for flounder. Uh, we were usually out to the ocean. You know, we would catch sand sharks or, you know, there was makos and stuff down there. And I mean, to go out and do that on a fly rod yeah, would I, be awesome. That would be really high on my bucket list. I would love to catch a shark on a fly rod. No doubt. Way more than on a spinning rod. I mean, we fought big salmon. Up in New York. Yeah. In the Tribs. And I mean, 40-inch salmon up there. I can just imagine. Yeah. Oh, no doubt. a shark. And, and, not, and not even a big one. I would just like oh, to yeah. catch one, you know. Yeah. It doesn't have to be several feet. Yeah. But just to get out and do it, I think would be pretty cool. Yeah. I guess I something that I have always had on my bucket list that I never try hard. Well, I try, but I've never tried hard to accomplish was really any fish out of salt water and i don't mean like a salmon like catching you know my silver salmon which was a pacific salmon i mean like a flounder or a croaker or anything like that a blue or, or striper out of the surf i want to catch something off the surf and we have uh, the only reason i 
The only reason is because I've tried to do it so many times. We go. We used to go to a church camp, which was at Cape Henlopen on Rehoboth Beach. And every year I would take my fly rod down, and every year I'd make a couple casts, but I'd never catch anything. And, and granted, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't put the real time into it. And I didn't, when I was there, I didn't, I was like, ah, well, I'll just chunk some bait out and catch something. You know, I didn't get real into it. But it is something that I really want to do is catch something on the fly rod in salt water. Well, I lived in Maryland for 21 years. And and growing up, we fished from spots there in the bay. When you hear guys talk about going for stripers and stuff, we would go down there to public fishing piers, and people would go out for catfish. And when the tide would turn and the tide would be coming in, you could go out there and chuck 4-inch and 6-inch Rapalos and catch all the stripers you wanted yeah. from 12 inches up to 50, 60 inches yeah. off the piers. And, you know, I wish I'd have been in fly fishing then because, I mean, there there would have been some incredible fish I could have caught back then. Yeah, I that's one thing. Like, I don't know. It's just something you got to drive five hours for me to do it if we're going to do it, you know, to even have the opportunity to catch one. So I guess that's kind of why I, like, would like to catch one. Flounder. Flounder would be cool. I wouldn't mind catching some flounder. Yeah. I've caught tons of flounder, but I never won on a fly rod. Yeah. That would be cool. Last time I was down, the last, it was like two years ago, I was actually talking to a guy on the beach, and I think I might even have my rod there. And uh, he was fly fishing, and I was trying to get a little info out of him and stuff, and he was really helpful, really great guy. And had a lot of fun talking to him, but I gave up. I went up on the pier with all the kids and uh, was just surf fishing with them off the pier there. But I was watching this guy, and I was just watching what he was doing and stuff, and he ended up catching probably about a 30-inch striper off the surf there. Nice. And uh, he was taking pictures of it, self-filming those pictures and stuff. So it was it was a lot of fun. It was I was glad to see him do it, but that would be fun, catching a 30-incher off the off the surf and it's doable it is yeah a little bit different for us to go to maryland versus going to raystown yeah yeah definitely and doing it yeah yeah you know every year we always try to hit the hit the old dam over here at raystown and uh, and try to catch a striper on their fake spawning run but we didn't get to it this year this year was kind of a little bit washy but um, yeah, you know, I've made many a cast over there for them, but never had any luck on them. Yeah, they, they run up a river to spawn, but the lake doesn't produce, what is it, the right oxygen? No, we... For the eggs? Um, Griper, I believe, has to have, has to go into the salt to spawn. Is that what it is? Yeah. So I wasn't sure. I knew when I was over there camping, they had a thing for the kids, and they were saying that, the eggs just will not survive because they, they float mm. in the lake. They're not like a trout. You know, there's a, a red. And yeah. They actually float in the water column, and I, I cannot remember why they said they will not survive. Hmm. I, I was thinking they had to have the ocean, but that, you could be right. It could be a, just a spawning habit. This is the way it doesn't work here, but 
There is some nice fish here. Oh, there's very nice fish in Racetown Lake. And uh, I don't know if there's a bucket list fish in there for me, but especially to catch on the fly rod. Well, now, here's one thing, uh, and I'll throw it out there. I think we have the cicadas coming next year to our area. It's either next year or the year after. Yeah, I'm not real sure. And when the cicadas come, race down lake, carp. carp fishing with cicadas on top. No doubt. That's a bucket list because I missed out on it last time. Like, I wasn't really heavy into fly fishing 17 years ago as I am now. Yep. <laughs> and uh, 15, 17, whatever it is. And that's one thing that I'm really looking forward to is carp on the fly rod. I don't know. I I would love to go over there and catch a really big muskie on the fly. Yeah. Yeah. I would like to catch a, a, a toothy critter. Yeah. yeah. I guess that would be a bucket list fish for me too. Any toothy critter, river or lake. I mean, I know years ago I was fishing in a lake not far from here. But I will not disclose the lake. <laughs> due to pressure and there was a guy that rolled up on us you know we were standing there fishing off to one bank and he yelled down over it was four or five of us there fishing and we went up and he had a muskie that he caught on a piece of broom pole with screws in it and you know had hooks and yeah it literally hung over the bed of his truck the head and the tail i mean the thing was huge that would be nice. Yeah, it would be cool. 50 inch on a fly. Oh, man, on a that's fly. a lot of fish. That is a lot of fish. Yeah, I never really thought about... I mean, I never put a lot of thought into... I always told my cousin, who's a big bass fisherman on one of our local lakes, and uh, that lake has a lot of muskies and and a lot of pike and just about everything, a lot of tiger muskies. And every fall, we would fish the bass tournaments up there. And as soon as the leaves would change, our spinner baits would change. <laughs> About the same color, fire tiger. And uh, we would, you know, we wasn't serious a lot of times, but um, we would get into the bass fishing and we wouldn't get a bite. You throw a fire tiger on up there in the fall and you were, you were into something toothy. You fished the weed beds and you were catching something. And I keep telling them, this fall, this fall, this fall, you're going to take me up there. We're going to do the fly rod, and, and we never get around to doing it. But I know a pretty good lake we can go try for that, too. Yeah. I need a boat. I've been up there on the ice. It is miserable, but man, the pike up there. Yeah. It seems like every hole you would drop down in a jigging Rapala, they were there. Well, now I'm just thinking, since we're on this subject, and... Uh, and the bucket list fish. A lot of people in our area do Canada. Yeah. Canada is affordable. You know, I mean, it's not affordable as it used to be back in the days, so I'm sure. But it's accessible. It's affordable. And there's incredible fishing up there. Used to be really good. Yeah. I mean, 20 years ago, guys used to flock air. I mean, every weekend. And it's it's not that way now. They've uh, put limits on fish, which they probably should have done back then. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. The fish would be, it would still be a really nice fishery. The fish would be quality. And now the fish are kind of mediocre. But now it costs you three times as much to go there as it did then. Yeah, so, uh, everything costs three times as much as well, back then. But. that and 
you know, crossing the border now. Yeah, yeah. So, Got to have a permit. I mean, a post passport. 11, yeah. So. Yep. It's a different world. Different world. But one we all live in and have to deal with. That's right. Yeah, there's... I want to... How do I want to say it? There's been a lot of funky fish on my bucket list, too. Some of them I've achieved. Peacock bass. That was something that growing up, I always watched Bassmasters, and every year or so they would get down to the Amazon and catch a peacock bass. And uh, when I was watching that, it was about the same time that they were stalking them in Miami. And uh, so a couple years ago, I think it's been three years ago now, I got down to Miami and got the fish for peacock bass down here. Different breed, not the Amazon peacock bass. They don't get as big, but I still caught a six-pounder. And I caught a couple on the fly rod, which was nice. incredible. That was an awesome, awesome trip. And there again, Miami, I think I got my tickets round trip for 249 bucks. And now I had we had a friend that knew where to go down there. So I, we paid for a guide one day, and um, that was just for the experience of fishing with Monster Mike. If you get yeah. on YouTube and look up Monster Mike, you'll understand why we paid for a guide. <laughs> That was a fun experience, and uh, it, it was neat because we fished a couple of his holes that he has on his videos and stuff. If you ever watched, if you ever watched the one, he fishes with a Finding Nemo toy. He goes into a Target store, buys one of those little toys you drop in the water, and it starts swimming. Well, he buys it at the Target. And uh, comes out on his truck bed and drills two holes in it. Puts a line in one and, a, and an O-ring and a hook on the other one on the tail fin. And goes down and flicks it in the canal right beside Target. And it swims around and he catches a big peacock bass on it. Nice. <laughs> well, aye, aye, aye. we're driving down the road. There's a Target. We pull in. We're like, is this it? He's like, yeah, we're going to fish here. <laughs> so we ended up, we caught a couple. And that's actually where I caught my first one on... Uh, first one on the fly rod so crazy yep it was pretty wild but um we caught a lot of nice ones there too so it was it was a lot of fun and even bucket fish a lot of people think of exotic fish or big fish you know to some people just going out maybe catching native fish you know maybe they live in an area where it's stocked mm-hmm. nothing but stocked in around their city or and for them to come to the country and fish a wild, you know, trout stream, you know, maybe that's their bucket list. Oh, yeah. And even, you know, the last couple of years on Instagram and stuff, a lot of guys are getting into carp fishing mm-hmm. on the fly. And I know that is really big. You know, the other year I did catch a carp on a mop fly and it was 25 inches. But it was, man, it was a good time. Yeah. I mean, I was amazed at how strong they are. Not something I normally do, but it is something I am slowly progressing to go out and do because, I mean, it was a good fight. Yeah, I, that's something I would like to put a little bit more time into. Even yeah. our Pennsylvania whitefish. Yeah. Oh. I mean, there's times here in the winter at uh, Crick that we fish rather close that is just stocked full of them things in the winter i mean they're just yeah. laid through there and when you hook them it's just like trying to pull a rock off the bottom they're actually better to catch than a trout yeah, they're sometimes. more fun because mm-hmm. they're more shoulders i mean the fight you get out of one of them is just unreal yeah that's what i like yeah i do too and when you was saying about that and 
catching wild fish. Like I can think of fishing the one stream locally here and it kind of wasn't a bucket list, but it kind of turned into it, it kind of turned into it, I guess you would say. Um one day I was fishing the and fishing a stream and I caught a wild stream bred rainbow brook trout and brown trout all in the same day out there of the same go. creek. And that was you know, I wouldn't have thought about that as being a bucket list thing, but when I realized what I had done and how special that was to catch all three of them out of the same stream. That and what, 30, 20, 30 years ago, that oh, wouldn't have happened. No, not at all. And and especially to catch a wild rainbow in our area. For That's our right. area, a wild rainbow is a, a rarity. Well, things are getting better. Yeah, they are. Things are getting better here and people are more aware so yeah. it's going to be better fishing here. It is definitely. But, you know, for some people you might live down low and catching a wild brookie is unheard of. You know, you got to travel up into the mountains to do that. And so uh, and the best place for me to catch a wild brookie, I know, is to drive to the top of one of the game lands around here or well, a couple of the game lands, get up on top of the mountain. And that's where you're going to find, that's where you're going to find the wild brookies. And that's so much fun. And, that's kind of a bucket list trip of mine every... You're driving too far. I'm not... You're driving past them to get to them. <laughs> I'm not driving past them if I go left. If I go right, I'm driving past them to go find them on another mountain. But <laughs> that's why I said there's a couple game lands around yeah, me. Yeah, there's a couple. Yeah. But uh, no, there's so many different things out there that you could pick as a bucket list. And I'm not oh, sure... Man. Other than Atlantic salmon, that's probably next on my list. And, you know, here we are. We live in a place that's pretty much predominant trout Yeah, yep. for fly fishing. And there's probably guys out west or, you know, in other states where they only have bass. Yeah. Smallmouth, yeah. largemouth, you know, freshwater like that. And they want to come to our state or, you know, states like this and catch for trout. Right. So... I did another bucket list fish that I knocked off was a cutthroat. That's one yeah. that was, that one was really heavy on my bucket list for a long time until I finally did get one. And that's been a couple of years now, but I wouldn't mind going out and catching another one of them. But there's a couple of species of them, so I could make that. Bull trout. Yeah, bull trout. That would be a good one too. I see lots of videos on them. Yeah, they they're pretty fun. They are. They pretty would, aggressive. They would be fun. That would be a good one, too. Yeah. Big streamers. I really, really, really want to go Pacific Northwest. Oh. So yeah. that's one of my that's one of my things. My wife doesn't really want to go there. She doesn't have a desire to go to, like, Washington or Oregon. But we got some suppliers out there. I, I got some connections. I would, wouldn't mind going out, hook up with the Maxon guys and doing a little fishing in Oregon, Washington. Nice. Yeah. Steelhead, wild steelhead. That could be fun. That would be fun. I would love Just in a lake run. Yeah, I would love to catch a wild steelhead. I was like the other year we went to New York here and I caught a pile of steelhead that one day. And they had been in there a while. They kind of lost that chrome mm -hmm. shine. They looked like big fat rainbows. Right, yep. I mean, they had been in there a while. They were feeding on eggs and. Yeah. It was still fun to catch them. You know, they were 20 to 30 inch fish. They were like 28, most of them. Beautiful fish, but they just didn't have that shine. Yeah. 
They had been in there a little too long, getting gluttonous because they were hugely fat. <laughs> but uh, be nice to go catch some wild ones. But you know, another thing the bucket list is good for it's uh, making you better. Like maybe your bucket list is a twenty-inch rainbow, even if it's a stocky. You got to put in the time to find that, and you got to put in the the skill and everything to catch it, and then know how to land it and. You know, you tie into a 20-inch rainbow, 20-inch stocky, he's going to jump five, six times if, if you catch him in the riffles. And, and you know what I'm saying. So, Oh, yeah. You know, we were just at New York. We had an incident with the one guy. He was up there trying to put one of my fish in the net, and it wouldn't fit. And your dad got involved. They were trying to corral this king that I had accidentally hooked up with. But it was, it was a good hook. It was yeah. in the mouth. And uh, 30 minutes... And they got off at the net because we just could not get the fish into the net. And, you know, later in the day, he come up and he's like, man, I'm really sorry about that. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm not too worried about it. You know, we lose fish all the time. And yeah, and it's a stinky salmon anyway. Yeah, it's a salmon. But in reality, he said something to me afterwards. He's like, you know, learning to net fish up here is a lot different than netting fish back home. Oh, no doubt. It's a team effort a lot oh, of times. Oh, man. Yeah. And it. You know, there was a lot of truth in that. You know, the first time I went, learning how to do it for you and your dad, and you guys were doing it for us, trying to teach us. I mean, it is, it's not just scooping them out down here. No, no, no. <laughs> it's, it's a game, and it's a, it's not all just the netter's responsibility. That's it's right. also the fisherman's responsibility. It, you got to have this unspoken language that, when I stick the net in the ground, you're going to drop your rod and it's going to flow into the net. See, that was the problem we had. And yeah. When he got ready, he stuck the net. I bowed. And your dad's like, that king was in and out of that net in the blink of an eye. Yeah. Yep. And so, I mean, so, it was a fresh fish. Yeah. I mean, we caught a lot of dead ones. That was the greenest fish I had hooked up with all week up there. I mean, that fish was just fresh. And when I bowed, he was in and out of the net. Yeah. Yep. I mean, it's netting is definitely, it's, yeah, it varies where you go. Yeah, it does. It, you know, when I was in Alaska, I didn't have a net. I beached every one of them. Mm. That was the first time I ever really did that. And it's kind of funny because we always growl people at the shop for beaching. That's how we've gotten so many broken rods into the shop, people beaching them. But, there's two different ways to beach them. There's pull them up on like you're dragging a log up on, breaking your <laughs> rod, or there's turn their head and let them swim up on the beach. <laughs> and uh, I think in my one video, I you actually see the fish swim right up on the right up on the shore, and I grab it. Yeah, I did that when we was up yeah. there. Uh, you know, one day we was in a really bad spot, high water. It was muddy. It's kind of by myself, and I was in shallow enough water when I hooked. The one fish there, I kind of just brung it over in shallow enough water that I could get to it before it could get away. Yeah, yep. But not dragging it up to break the rod. Yeah. So Or damage the fish. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was kind of funny because I would walk up the bank and get him to swim up onto the bank. And as soon as he would hit the bank, I would drop the rod and take off running to the fish to grab him. So if you was watching, it was kind of funny to watch. But Oh, I'm sure. But that would have been another added expense. Yeah. A net. Well, the, yeah, because you had to buy one up there to yeah. get one to f- that those fish would fit in. And then you probably, well, I guess you could have brung it home, but 
Yeah, that would have been a lot. That would have been more money. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. To uh, my my trout fishing net, which would have been fine for up there, doesn't fit in standard luggage. Mm. (laughs) So. Yeah. But anyhow, this has been a great topic. I don't know. I don't know what else we can do on it other than there's a couple fish I have in my mind, but probably right now I'm just going to stick with Atlantic Mm. and spend my time pursuing that. Other than that. Get out there and fish. Yeah, go have fun and go Google. fishing. Yeah. Get Google. out and Google. Spend yeah. as much time as you can. Research everything that you can. Yeah. There may just be a little bit out there. I know I've said it on the podcast before, but like Michigan. I had the opportunity to swing through Michigan. And that's another thing. Make the most of every every opportunity you have. I had to go to Wisconsin, so I swung through michigan on the way ended up catching the biggest salmon of my life it was like 30 pounds mm. but then i also managed to catch another one of my bucket list fish which was the pink salmon now i want to get one with a big hump and get mounted but which i just caught two hens but i had to research and i found very little research out there but i found a stream that had them and i found a pink salmon and i got into them caught one so the research is out there and i didn't need a guide to do that that's the biggest thing like I've fished all over now, and I haven't used a guide. I've fished by myself every time I've went somewhere. The only thing that I really feel that I need a guide for is if I want to take a drift boat, see some other water that I couldn't see by, you know, walking weight. And, uh, but I employ the same tactics that I use here to fish in Alaska, to fish in Montana, to fish in New York. If you can catch fish here in central Pennsylvania. Yeah. You could pretty much catch fish anywhere. I totally agree with that. Yeah, if you know how, and and you have a couple tools in your belt, you know, and you're willing to adapt to the situation, you're going to catch fish wherever you go, no matter what kind of fish it is. Like I said, I caught peacock bass on the fly rods. That's not a trout, but I was throwing streamers. You know, they're an aggressive fish. Make That's them what mad. he says, throwing streamers. He was chucking a Finding Nemo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We were, well, no, we didn't use the Finding Nemo. But, <laughs> and I didn't use the Barbie doll head, the Barbie too. Barbie doll head. Yeah, if you watch Monster Mike, he, he fishes with a Barbie doll head. But looks just like a <laughs> just like a frog with him frog legs twitching when you braid her hair. <laughs> oh, jeez. But, uh, no, he's a great guy. He's a lot of fun to hang out with. But that's a pretty good show, and I think we've reached about the end of our time here. So Yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. Um, We had a lot of fun bringing this, and we're going to do a couple more topics like this. And if you have any suggestions for those topics, feel free to drop them in the comments or shoot us an email. And uh, we got a couple other great shows lined up to bring to you here we're looking forward to. And we will see you next time when we're back on the airwaves. See you next time. Later. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Bugs and Beard Podcast. This podcast was brought to you by Holsingersflyshop.com. Head on over to the website for all your fly fishing and fly tying needs. Plus, you can also find a link there to the Holsingers Fly Shop YouTube channel. The channel is full of information with over 250 videos covering fly tying and fly fishing techniques geared towards making your time on the water more enjoyable. From all of us here at the Bugs and Beard Podcast, we hope you'll subscribe to our channel and tune in next week as we discuss the sport we love so well. 
Until next time, get out there on the water and tight lines.